Oh, I can fuck it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Radio. I'm your host, TJ Branson, and with me is Zach Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. So, it is October 1st. We're only three days away from the regular season, and uh, most of you guys are already into season form. You guys might uh, have your draft tomorrow, like we do in our Five Hole Category League, and uh, and a minority still have yet to draft. So, we're going to hop right into kind of like our regular template for the season, um, go over injuries, returns some line combinations that might have changed preseason. We'll get a little bit into um, you got the guys that have been doing lights out and the guys that have been doing pretty shittily. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about our drafts over the past week. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about some of the people that might have been steals late in the drafts or some of the guys were eyeballing our watch lists, stuff like that. So how are you feeling tonight, Zach? Feeling good, man. Long day at work today, but uh, but I'm here. I'm more awake than I thought I was going to be. <laughs> yes, it is 11 p.m. on October 1st. So by the time this gets out, it will be uh, Tuesday. Let's jump into some of the bigger injuries that have come out this preseason. First off, you got the guy I traded for and then the guy I traded to get. Yeah, a big one for you. Yeah, it's rough. So it's Seth Jones, I'm not I'm happy not about it. I know you aren't happy about it, which is why I was happy about it. Because- <laughs> I tried to trade you for Seth Jones the day before. Yep, wasn't happening. And you wouldn't do it. You're being a bitch about it. And then MCL sprain later, I said, hey, that's what you got for not trading me. I mean, we are one week into a four to six weeks timeline. Uh, Zach Varensky is going to move up to that first power play unit, just get all of my Seth Jones's points for the first, you know, 10 games or so. And a guy by the name of Marcus Nudavara. He's going to be popping up on that second PP. So I don't know how excited I am about Marcus Nudavara, but obviously this is a great thing for Varensky. Um, and the guy I actually traded to get Seth Jones, Tori Krug. He left the ice late in the first period against the Flyers last Saturday, and he did not return. He was spotted in a walking boot. And then since then, we found out that he injured his ankle. It's um, unrelated to the fracture that he sustained in last year's playoffs, but he's looking at a three-week minimum here. So that's that's to say that he's going to be reevaluated in three weeks, not like three-week timeline. That's a hard one because I guarantee you for a lot of people on, on their teams, Tory Krug is your second best defenseman. Or your first. And if he's your first, you're really hurting. I mean, his yeah. shot production is really good. You're looking at Charlie McAvoy to be your likely number one power play guy. But a guy by the name of, and I'm going to fucking butcher this one, Erho Vakaninen. He he actually stepped in in the game that Kruger went down. He was playing with Marsh and Bergeron, Pasternak, all those guys, and Ryan Donato, who apparently is going to be on that top power play unit. If he does get any power play time, whether it be with the first unit or the second unit, Vekaninen could be somebody that should be on your radar. Right. Should he now? I think so. Okay, I think you should pick him up. <laughs> I've got enough D-men on my team. Then you should drop Brady Shea. Oh, hey, that's right. You already did that. I did that. Next up? We got Corey Perry for all you Ducks fans out there. Um, He's going to be sidelined for five-plus months following the surgery repair to both the MCL and meniscus. So that top six right wing spot could be in contention for guys like Troy Terry, who has already been practicing up on the second power play unit, but it could also pave the way for others like Silverberg and Kasha to vie for that top six spot. I mean, Silverberg is already going to be solidly in there 
Bakasha was kind of that fringe player where we didn't really know if he was going to end up on that second that second line or if he was going to drop down to the third. Corey Perry is he's hurt again. It's it's going to hurt yeah. the Ducks fans. They've been saying that he's been dealing with this for the past few years, so maybe that explains how shitty he's been in the past few years. But if a guy like Troy Terry, you know, screws up for a few games in a row, then that top line right wing spot is open for for those other guys. Jack Eichel, he stayed out of Friday's preseason game to deal with a minor ailment. It's it's nothing really serious, uh, but you got Jack Eichel who averages sixty four games played in a year. Maybe this is a little bit of foreboding. He's already starting this shit already, but I'm not going to count him out of the preseason opener. It's probably just precautionary. Look for Jack Eichel to start on Thursday. Wow, they start on Thursday. Okay. Who's up? Alex Tuck is your guy. So next we'll go to Alex Tuck, who I actually drafted. It's not something that looks too serious. He did leave the game in the second period the other day, and he did not return. There hasn't been any new updates as of yet, but for now... Halla has been uh, up on the second right wing spot, playing with Paul Stasty in the middle and Patches on the outside. Right now, Hall is tucking into that spot, and uh, it might dampen the year that I have always said that Alex Tuck was going to have this year. Hopefully it's not anything too serious, and uh, he'll be back sooner rather than later. Yeah, chances are I think he's going to be good to go uh, for the regular season, but only time will tell. So It's your boy. So next up, you're right. It is my boy, Scott Darling. Love Fuck. this guy. Um, I love him as the worst starting goalie in hockey, as much as you can love something like that. He recently got a hamstring industry, industry. He recently got a <laughs> hamstring injury, which kind of sucks for Scott Darling because all reports are been that he's come in this year uh, more flexible than he has been in years past and in much better shape than he has been in years past. And really what it came down to, a lot of people always thought, was his conditioning. So the fact that he came in in such good shape this year was really promising for the Hurricanes. With him leaving in the second period on Sunday, uh, Morazic had to come in uh, in relief. I mean, TJ, what what do you think about Morazic being the starting goalie now? I know you were never big on him and never have been. Carolina has always been this kind of like dark horse hipster pick for the, for the fucking playoffs and everything. And I mean, you got Mrazic starting out. Hopefully this is not, hopefully Scott Darling just got like a Charlie horse and freaked out a little bit too much. And uh, Mrazic's not going to be playing for too long. I'll take uh, Dustin Brown. So Dustin Brown broke his finger and he is out indefinitely. So Alex, I follow makes a return to the top line. There's no timeline telling us how long Dustin Brown's going to be out, but I imagine a broken finger. Um, I mean, we've heard reports of some hockey players just playing through it. So hopefully it's just like a two to four week thing. I don't know. I mean, keep Alex Iofalo up your sleeve when it comes to picking people up. Yeah, I mean, because Dustin Brown had a really damn good year last year, but it was too good. Behind. Yeah, it was all behind. Mainly what I would like to think is Jay Kopitar having a really good year and Dustin Brown really fed off of that. So, I mean, we'll see what happens this year. Next, we're going to go down to the desert. And another guy that I have, which, no shit, uh, all these guys on this fucking injure, on this injury list that we're naming are a lot of my players. And Alex Galchenyuk is another one. He was placed on IR 
recently with a lower body injury and is looking to miss the first two games of the season. Hopefully down the line, this won't be too big of a deal. But right now, Richard Panic is projecting to be on that top line with Derek Stepan and Clayton Keller. We'll see how that goes. I mean, Dick Panic really hasn't had. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> His name is Dick Panic. I don't get what's so funny, TJ. Like I said before I was so rudely interrupted, Dick Panic has not had the type of fantasy stature that he has years all the way back when he was playing in Chicago. So, I mean, on top of the fact that he's also gotten into trouble out in Arizona, it's really what I feel is a prove-it year for him. So maybe this little stint right here in the beginning of the year is going to be good for him and give him a chance to actually show himself before Galchenyuk comes back. Oh, I can't get over it. But, I mean, he doesn't want to show too much deck. All right, I'm trying to get over that tick panic thing. Yeah, you were laughing through my entire through my entire thing here, TJ. Well done, sir. Well done. Uh, all right, Mike Green, you're depleting an already shitty Detroit defense. Uh, Green, he's got a infectious virus attacking his liver. Um, the Red Wings are preparing Ouch. to start the season without him. You actually and... have a, a virus attacking your liver right now. There's no timetable for his return. He was placed on IR today. Uh, you remove Mike Green from the picture, and there's almost no fantasy relevance to be had on this blue line. But you got a guy who has been sparking a little bit of buzz right now. You got a guy in Dennis Chalowski. Uh, he's been practicing on the top power play. You got guys like Trevor Daly out as well, uh, Nicholas Cronwall. That really opens up this top power play quarterback position. Chalowski's an interesting case here. He has six points in six preseason games with the Detroit. I think it's two goals, four assists. He's been practicing with the top power play. And in the WHL last year, he put up 66 points in 69 games. So if he takes this role and he kind of really runs with it, he could throw his hat into the ring for that top power play guy, considering that you don't exactly have a decor worth writing home about. Um, regardless, he should be on your radar. Just kind of hear his name and just... Put it into your rotation of uh, guys on your watch list. Yeah, I mean, definitely watch out. These these Red Wings, they're going young. But still, it's a top power play defenseman. And uh, I don't know, th- those types of guys, they, they got to be in the conversation at the very least. Can we just call him Cholo? Denny Cholo, bud. Yeah, I kind of like that. Has a That has a good ring to it, Denny Cholo. Sounds like a drink, kind of like limoncello. Okay, so next up, we're going... Across the Ben Franklin Bridge into Jersey with Corey Schneider. Uh, so five months into his five to six month timeline for his injury, um, he's already been ruled out for the season opener. And Kincaid is actually going to be your starter for the 2018 season. How do you feel about that, Jersey? Hopefully it's all right, because honestly, I like I like Corey Schneider a lot better than Kincaid. But what I will say is Kincaid did actually do a good job coming in he did his job as a backup, but Corey Schneider is definitely the number one guy there. Eventually he will be, yeah. Um, Robbie Fabry, I mean, I'm just going to like add, Robbie Fabry missed all of the 17-18 season uh, with a knee injury. I mean, what are you going to do? You got a guy that missed an entire season. He hasn't played since February of 2017, and he just strained his groin. So he wants to play, but he just can't get off the shelf. St. Louis, I mean, 
they still have a pretty intimidating lineup, even with Fabry being out. So I don't think that he was one of the guys that were going to crack the top six. So it doesn't really affect anything. But nonetheless, he is injured. Um, Risto, guy on your team. What do you got on him? Any updates? Another one on my team. Yes. Rasmus Ristolainen. So honestly, it was looking really good for Ristolainen this year. Chances are, I was thinking that he's going to get paired with the other Rasmus, as you like to call them, the Rasmai. He was looking to be paired with Darlene on that first uh, defensive unit, and he was also going to have a number one power play time. But he did miss practice on Thursday, the preseason game that they had on Friday. He has been, however, practicing on the top line and the top power play unit uh, before that. And it's looking like he's going to be good to go uh, for the beginning of the season. And he's definitely somebody to have on your radar as he's had, uh, I mean, 40-plus point seasons in his past uh, three or four seasons, I believe. Yeah. So, And actually, I think Darlene is being drafted like five to ten places just ahead of him. But to be honest with you, I like Risto a lot more than Darlene. So do I, just because he is a proven commodity. I know what Ristolainen is, and he already has the respect. They know who he is. I know who he is. It's going to be all out on Darlene. I mean, we don't know yet. So it looks like uh, Risto and Scandella are going to pair together. Um, Jake McCabe and Rosmus Darlene are going to have the second pairing. But as far as power plays go, you got Skinner, Reinhardt, Ocposo, Risto, and Eichel on that first unit, which... You could always switch out. I, I would think that Kyle Ocposo is going to be the, the odd man out there. Maybe switching somebody like Casey Middlestad if he impresses or go 2D with Rasmus Dahlin. We'll get into that a little bit later. Back to Anaheim. Uh, and we're going to talk about Ryan Kessler. So it seems that Ryan Kessler has been injured again. And uh, from what's out there, he's been practicing on the fifth line but taking minimal contact. Patrick Eves is not skating. Neither will he be available for opening night, just like Kessler. One thing that is good about Kessler is he did skate with that hip on Sunday, and he seems like he's maybe going to be close to going 50-50 maybe for the beginning of the uh, season, but look for him to come back in, in a week or two more likely. Okay, so the last on our list of the injury report is going to be Tyler Johnson. As per Kaylee Chelios, John Cooper has said that Tyler Johnson is a 50-50 chance to play on opening night. This seems to me very optimistic. I'm hoping that he plays too, and it seems like if he does, he's going to be slotting in in that top six role where he has been in the past as long as he's not hurt. So Kucherov, he did... He did mention as well. He said that he is a bit more optimistic that Kucherov is going to be good to go for the season opener. Um, you got Johnson still wearing a new contact jersey. Kucherov today at practice um, was wearing a regular jersey, so he's likely to start this season. So we're just going to jump right back into the guys that are coming back from injury. Uh, Kucherov, he left September 5th game with a lower body injury, but like I was just saying, he, he was wearing a regular jersey today. He was taking contact uh, looks good to go for the season opener against Florida. And then you got um, Patrice Bergeron, the same deal. He was skating in a regular jersey today. Cassidy said that he's likely to play opening night after dealing with back spasms this summer. So next up coming back is Keith Yandel, who is day-to-day with an upper body injury, but isn't out. isn't expected to be out too long. Coach Bob Bubner 
expects him to practice this week and hoping that he'll be back. All right. So next up, we're just going to start off, uh, start off this hockey season talking about Corey Crawford at least once a week. Um, so this week it looks good. Next week it won't look good, I'm sure. Uh, Crawford is going to travel with the team on their upcoming road trip, but Coach Quenville warns that you shouldn't read too much into this. Um, and then I was reading on Twitter that Mark Lazarus is saying that he's been seeing almost exclusively low shots while Cam Ward and Anton Forsberg are getting like everybody's best. So there's there's going to be a long process here. Um, so while it's encouraging to see him back with the Hawks practicing for the first time since February, he is medically cleared. So I would I would draft him. I would add him with caution. It could still be weeks or more until we see Corey Crawford at 100%. And still even at that, I would have Corey Crawford with a grain of salt. Yeah, okay, he, did, so- he did really well last year, but it was a small amount of time, small sample size. Who knows? So next up, we got Coots. Oh, Sean Couturier. So Sean Couturier went down with an MCL injury in last year's playoffs. If any of you remember, we remember probably a little better than most of you do, unless you're from the Philadelphia area like we are. He did, however, return for his first preseason game on Saturday, and he looks like he's going to be 100% ready to go for the season, which is great because I want to see that top line come back with him. Claude Giroux, and Travis Konechny. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Uh, The next one, uh, we got badass Kyle Connor. He took a puck to the fucking throat, uh, but he looks okay. So Coach Paul Maurice said he's fine. Uh, He expects him to be perfectly fine going into the year. Just a little scare, you know, little puck to the throat, upper body injury. We're talking about pucks to the throat. Why don't don't you go to the face next? Zach Varensky? Oh, yeah, last year. I wish I would have gotten one of those T-shirts that um, that they had made. All right, Zach Varensky, he logged 25 minutes and four assists in Friday's 7-6 to six win over the Penguins. When I say that he should be good to go, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, he should be primed for like really great deployment, especially while Jones is on the shelf. Maybe his draft positioning, if you guys are drafting, maybe a little higher than you would have before. Remember, Seth Jones is going to be out for a solid month, month and a half. So in all honesty, if Zach Wierenski plays well like they originally expected him to do and really grow into that person, he may keep that top spot. So watch out, Seth Jones. My bet's on the other side of that. but Mine is too, but I'm saying he's going to be given a chance yeah. to earn that spot. And if you're playing well, this is not a league where it's just like, oh, you used to have that spot, so you get it back right away. It ain't like that. If you're playing good... They're going to play the hot hand. Perfect example, Alex Petrangelo last year. All right, so next up we are going to focus on some of the the line combinations and just out of the ordinary things that you might not have not expected to happen going into the season, but um, some of the guys that are just out of the ordinary that you wouldn't expect to be in the top six or on the top power play, that kind of thing. So we'll start off right away with Anaheim. You got a guy by the name of Troy Terry who's sneaking into the top line with Getzlaff and Raquel. Terry's a fifth-round pick in 2015 and could be in a pretty sweet position to start the season, at the very least. So if he excels on the top line, he should be considered as good as anyone um, as a streamer, especially with Anaheim's really sweet schedule this year with 52 off-night games. Outside of that, you got um, guys like Andre Kasha, who saw time on the second line last week. 
with uh, Silverberg on the left and Henrique in the middle. So the second line is projected to be Maxime Comtois, Adam Henrique, and Jacob Silverberg. And my thoughts are that if Terry flops on the top line, Kasha could rightfully get a look, even with Silverberg's versatility, he could fill in or move over to the left to accommodate Kasha on the second line. So for me, Kasha is the one to look out for. Um, He could move up to the top line. He could move up to the second line. Um, given if Troy Terry flops or if Maxime Comtois flops, you could have somebody like Silverberg move over and Kasha up. Or if Terry just straight up shits the bed, Kasha could just be the guy to move up while Corey Perry's out. You got power play one looking like Henrique, Raquel, and Silverberg. And then you got Geslap and Fowler on the points. And power play two looks like Andre Kasha, top prospect in Sam Steele and Troy Terry with Montour and Lindholm on the back end. Next up, we got Arizona. So I'll take Arizona again since I talked about Galchenyuk a little earlier. With Galchenyuk out and Dvorak questionable with what is listed as a lower body injury, the top six spots are pretty much open. Clayton Keller and Stepan are definitely going to be on that top line. I mean, that's pretty set in stone. And like we were saying earlier, uh, Richard Panic is looking to be on that top line with them. That second line is looking to be Brendan Perlini, Dylan Strom, and Christian Fisher. As far as the power play goes, you're still looking at uh, Perlini now going to jump into that top uh, power play unit with Derek Stepan, Clayton Keller, and then backed up by OEL and uh, Jacob Chikrin. It will drop Dick Panic down to the second power play unit with the others that we just talked about being Dylan Strom, Christian Fisher, and then on the back end, Alex Goligoski, who I actually like as a daily streamer personally. And then also Jason Demers coming over from Florida. And then you even have a spot like Jacob Chikrin, who hasn't even skated with the Coyotes yet. So that could even open up a spot for somebody like Dick Panic. You thought you'd jump in on that? You I mean, like I want that? You like saying that now? I want to get on the ground floor, man. I got to start saying it. Um, All right. So start. next up, let's go up north, man. Yeah, uh, Boston. Curious case here. Um, The second right wing and the third left wing seem to be question marks here. Um, Where is Danton Heinen going to fit? Ryan Donato? Anders Bjork? I'm thinking that Anders Bjork is going to be the 10th forward here. And then you got somebody like Danton Heinen on the second power play and Donato on line three, but still getting power play one time. So you got to kind of pick your poison here. Um, You get Heinen who has better even strength deployment. And then you got uh, Donato, who's got better power play deployment. So yeah, you lose a minute or two of ice time with Donato at even strength. But if he's seeing top power play time with studs like, you know, Bergeron, Pasha, oh, you know the guys. So he's likely still going to get the same or more ice time than Danton Heinen for the time being. But it's still, it's still a toss up. I mean, you got Donato playing, what, 14 minutes a night and Heinen playing... I don't know, 15, 16, but then you throw up Donato on the top power play unit. So they, they could even out. So that that's an interesting case there. Um, another one is Tory Krug being sidelined for the minimum of three weeks, like we were talking about. And guys like McAvoy and Vakaninen are going to see, going to see boost in production considering that Vakaninen gets that second power play time. So if that gets the, the time I'm thinking he's going to get, McAvoy is going to see the lion's share of power play one time, and McAvoy already viable 
to be drafted and everything like that. He's going to see the almost the same as like Wierenski, where for the first few weeks it's going to be awesome, and then for the you know the rest of the year it's just going to be good. Yeah, so that's what I got on Boston. Well, we might as well stick to the cold. Go right to Buffalo. With the anticipation of Casey Middlestat, it kind of looks like he's actually going to be starting out on line three with Vladimir Sabotka and Kyle Poso. Tage Thompson and Patrick Berlin cracked the top six on the line with Connor Sherry. As for that top line, we've talked about it before. It would be Jeff Skinner, Jack Eichel, and Sam Reinhart, who I love. Sam Reinhart, he's going to be worth having. I'm telling you, if he's playing with if he's playing with a healthy Jack Eichel, and Sam Reinhart even showed it last year, he can actually hold his own. Now they weren't scoring a ton of points last year. Sam Reinhart was usually on the one or two goals that they actually did get a game. As for the power plays go, Risto and Dylene looks like they're going to be split up with Risto getting the first power play unit, being with Skinner, Reinhart, Akposo, and Eichel. And Darlene's going to slot in playing with Sheary, Middlestat, Thompson, and Jason Pominville. So, I mean, that's not too bad. You got, uh, especially for Sam Reinhardt, you're playing with two guys that shoot a lot. So you're just, it, those are just contact assists that are going to happen there. And I feel yeah. like it's actually going to play well to Sam Reinhardt's game because he does get down in front and does like to get those dirty goals. Jack Eichel skating around like a madman like he always does. And Jeff Skinner firing shots from the fucking point every time he gets across the blue line. Hell. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of rebounds. Sam Reinhardt might might pick up a couple dumpers. <laughs> I like that. Dumpers. All right. Uh, Carolina, your, your, hometown, your hometown crowd now. Um, so... There's a lot of really weird things going on right now. You got Warren Fogel. Hmm. Is that how you say it? I don't know. For some reason, I thought it was Fogel. All right. So either Warren Fogel or Warren Fogel. He played Sunday's final preseason game. He played it with Aho and Tara Vinen. But you got to keep in mind that Valentin Zykov was a scratch for that game. So I'm not going to put too much stock in the fact that Warren... Uh, was on the top line. I think that they know what they have in Valentin Zykov, and he's been getting more and more power play time as a good net front guy. But then you got more of Fogel, which could have just been an experiment to see what he could do with the best of the team. He's got balls too. So uh, P.K. Subban knocked Sebastian Ajo down and then kind of just threw a late punch in, and Warren Fogel went up and told P.K. Subban, what's up? So he's an interesting case, but um, likely to slot into the middle six rather than the top line. I'm still thinking it's going to be Zykov, Aho, and Teravainen. As Sveshnikov looks more and more like a line two, power play two guy, the closer that we get to the regular season. Um, as for the defense, Justin Falk has been on the third pairing for most of the preseason and could find his way to being almost entirely irrelevant while he stays on the Canes, he's still like kind of a trade chip right now. While he's on the Canes, he's not looking like like a commodity. Calgary, we were talking about this earlier. So let's let's start off by talking about the guy that I just picked up. Yeah, it's odd because honestly, usually you like talking about Calgary and you always give me Carolina. So I mean, hey, you took Carolina this time, I'll take Calgary. Okay, so you were just talking about the guy that you picked up, and that was Elias Lindholm. He's actually been skating on the top line with Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monahan for the time being. And he also is going to be on the first power play unit with both of them. 
So I think that was a good move by you. Thank you. So I was mulling over these past couple of days, like, okay, so who am I going to drop? Because I knew I wanted to pick up Elias Lindholm because I saw him kind of moving up to that top spot. And I also have Sean Monahan, so I, I kind of wanted that double. And then I went on to pick him up, and he was gone. And it was you that did it. Yep. And I was upset. However. <laughs> you did it to on. me with Ty Ratty. I did do it with you to, to Ty Ratty. And, and like I said, in, in the long run, I'd rather have Ty Ratty playing with Connor McDavid as opposed to Elias Lindholm playing with Sean Monahan. So, but it is what it is. I would have liked to have had them both, but that's because I'm a greedy son of a bitch. <laughs> now, moving on. So the second line with the three M's being Matthew, Michael, and Michael, Kachuk, Backlund, and Froelich. As in years past, TJ and I love picking up Michael Backlund. He is fucking awesome. We've always Slut. been kind of, yeah, we've always been kind of <laughs> back and forth, and it's whoever picks him up. But I love that top uh, that second pair up in Calgary, they just seem to work together. They have great continuity with each other. It's looking like James Neal being new to the Calgary Flames. He's going to be now actually down onto the third line. So the real deal, James Neal, going from the second line in Vegas to the third line in Calgary. My, how the mighty have fallen. So he's going to be on the third line playing with Derek Ryan and Dylan Dubay. James Neal actually is going to be getting power play two time for now. And then Noah Hannafin, who came over from Carolina, as we were just talking about, has been getting zero power play time. So instead, Mike Giordano is getting that power play one time, and TJ Brody is getting the power play two. Cats. Man, we're just flip-flopping because I know you would love to talk about Chicago right now. Yeah, I got I got a lot invested in Chicago, which maybe wasn't the smartest idea, <laughs> but we'll see how it play plays out. All I've right. actually been trying to package those two. Yeah, Zach has Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinket. Um, even though Alex DeBrinket is currently slotted for top line duties with Taze and somebody named Dominic Cahun or Cahan, um, and we're gonna get to him in a minute. But what I do want to say is, it's about Alex DeBrinket. Uh, that he's playing the fucking left wing, which is what I've been harping about for a few months now, um, ever since the IIHF, just the crazy chemistry between Alex DeBrinket and Patrick Kane. It's my thoughts that those two should play together, and you should put Saad with Taze because they they played last year together, and I know they both had down years, but hey, maybe it's going to work. I think it's going to offset how good DeBrinket and well, I mean, why wouldn't you just do DeBrinket, Taze, and Kane, and then just have a shitty second line? I mean, that's what Dallas does. I mean, but anyway. it's not the worst second line of the world, you know what I mean? I, Nick Schmaltz is a decent second line center. He's not the yeah. best second line center in the game, don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's all right, and Brandon Saad has definitely proved his worth in the league. With that third line, you got Anisimov down the middle. It, it's not the worst three lines, but I definitely think with the chemistry that Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkhead have shown this past summer, you got to put them together. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, they should be playing together. And I think in time, that's the way it's going to wind up. And then, you know, Brinksy and Kane are going to light it up and they'll, they'll stick together. So maybe packaging them for right now for a trade could, could prove beneficial. But I don't know. I, I might even hold on. Yeah, and I mean, 
kind of more down the line because it's not like everybody in our league knows the players and knows the line combination yeah. as well as maybe you and myself do. So, and I mean, that's definitely what we like to do. We like to have that app open and then we're looking, we see who gets the goal and then it's like, everybody's looking it's like, okay, who's getting the assists? Who's getting the assists? And then if you keep on seeing those two guys on the assist together, maybe it's going to work out for me. And and that way people are going to see that name kind of out there. And the more they see it, the more they're going to want to get that combo, which I think is a good combo. And as long as I can get something decent for it, because you're only drafting names for names. So now about this guy, um, Dominic Cahoon. That's what I'm going to call him until I hear his name on the TV. Um, he was 23 years old. He was a free agent who signed out of Germany's top league this summer. Um, and he played for the first time with Debrinket and Taze on. This was last Tuesday on the top line. So he and Taze did connect for a goal, and that brought Cahoon up to four points in three games with two goals, two assists. Um, so there's a small chance he could start on the top line, but I'm not going to go rushing to the waiver wire for him. Um, there's other options out there. Maybe, you know, this is just – they're testing the waters. You know, it's preseason. I, I don't want to put too much eggs in one basket. And somebody I've never heard of, a free agent out of Germany. I'm not I'm not going to rush. I'll put him on my watch list, but that's about it. But you um, love those German hockey players. Just dry saddle because he's a handsome son of a bitch. Uh, we got a couple quick ones right up. So I'm going to blow through them just like a speed round here uh columbus not much has changed outside of seth jones being out so like we were saying before Rensky moves up new Devara moves up and that's really it um colorado the only thing worth noting here is that tyson jost is going to get a look on the top power play um he could be a decent streamer considering how um good colorado's power play was last year and then dallas um this one's pretty easy jason spezza has finally been getting some power play one time now that coach um, Ken Hitchcock is out of there. And uh, Jim Montgomery doesn't hate Jason Spezza with a fucking burning passion. He's actually going to give him a chance. Um, and a guy like Miro Heiskanen has been playing on power play two, but I'm not getting too excited about that because power play two is crap. Um, but it's But it's definitely good to see him getting those power play reps. Yeah. And that's definitely important for his maturity as a hockey player, the fact that he's out there for the power play and has seen how it's ran. So that, that way in the future, hopefully he'll be running his own. And it, I mean, you still got somebody like John Klingberg ahead of him. John Klingberg's, um, John Klingberg's still pretty young. So Miro Heiskanen is going to be living in Klingberg's shadow for a long time. So the best we can see is uh, maybe two defensemen on power play one. And that is best case scenario. For Miro Heiskin, and he, I don't think he's going to overtake John Klingberg anytime soon, unless he gets traded for whatever reason. But they wouldn't even trade him for Eric Carlson. So Miro Heiskin, I'm not as high on him as I once was, considering that, you know, the ceiling seems to be power play two. Um, yeah, I I always kind of liked him coming out. Yeah, he was. I think he's a good young player, and I think he's going to be something special in the years to come. He was exciting to watch. Um, but outside of that, um, they did try Blake Como out on the top line. That didn't work out so well, so they, they reunited Radulov with Ben and Sagan. And, yeah, I mean, that's it. Detroit, another easy one. Tyler Bertuzzi is seeing some top-line time. Uh, he's kind of an interesting character. He's getting top 
power play time too with um, Nyquist, Larkin, Michael Rasmussen, and up and comer Denny Cholo. Yeah, that's the nickname, right? Denny Cholo. <laughs> so Dennis Cholowski. Um, Denny give, Cholo is so much better. Like it's give, not even close. Give Denny Cholo a couple days or a couple weeks. Um, maybe Trevor Daly comes back. Maybe Mike Green comes back. Who knows? But until then, you got Cholo just to just to stream, you know, or just put on your watch list, whatever. Do you want to take Edmonton? You know what? As much as I know you like talking about the Oilers, I will take Edmonton. You got Tyratty, so. Yeah, well, I think it was a smart move. So, I mean, I don't know if anybody else did this. I picked up Tyratty. Hopefully you guys did too. If If anybody had the foresight to draft him, then good for you. I think he's a hold for now, and he is definitely the hot topic right now. So amongst the top scorers in the preseason, he's been red hot, as are most players that pretty much, I mean, TJ could be playing with Connor McDavid, and he'd probably do okay. I would stream me. Uh, maybe for a game or two, sure, I'd give it a try. But it's Jesse Pugliarvi, who has been getting the power play one time. Both are, are breakout candidates. And both are sharing ice with uh, Connor McDavid is going to do that. Your next question is, is Leon Dreisaitl going to hold down that second line? Two years ago, he was great playing with Connor McDavid. To kind of be like the Evgeny Malkin to Sidney Crosby as he would be to Connor McDavid. That's that's the best way that I can say it. Is he going to be able to hold down that second line? Next up, what's going to happen with Kyler Yamamoto? We kind of talked about this before we started recording. I'm looking for Kyler Yamamoto to break out. I really am. I mean, he could make it all the way up to that top line. He's a super fast young kid who has great fucking hands. However, Ty Ratty does too. I mean, he plays the similar sort of game, and he's kind of already slotted into that top spot. Next up, what else? Oscar Clefbaum. Oscar Clefbaum is a guy that TJ and I have always been kind of Going back after, I, I think he's a he's a great hold for now to see how he is. But I mean, in some leagues, you're going to even be able to find him on your on your waiver wire. Lastly, Cam Talbot. Uh, the season that he had last year that just cannot happen again. In preseason this year, he's been kicking some serious ass. Am I ready to say okay, go out and trade for Cam Talbot? Buck, no, I'm not. <laughs> you you do that at your own risk. If you feel like doing that, then I hope you know what you're doing, and I hope you are right and I am wrong. But I'm not training for him yet. Uh, I definitely want to see how he is, and I also want to see how their power play bounces back. Uh, next up, we got Florida. They got a they got a pretty crazy top six right now of Dadnov Barkov. The episode I'm talking <laughs> about all your teams. You're talking about all my teams. I know it's straight up backwards. Crazy episode in general. Go ahead, fucking take them. So their top six is fucking solid on paper, and it's probably going to be solid on ice too. You got Dadnov, Barkov, and Bugstad on the top line. Huberto, Trocek, and Hoffman on the second line with a power the play one. Second line in hockey. It's at the very least got to be in the conversation. So the power play one unit is going to be Alexander Barkov, Vincent Trocek, Mike Hoffman, Evgeny Dadnov, and Keith Yandel. That is fucking scary. And you still have enough to kind of like temper out the second power play unit with Jonathan Huberto and Nick Bugstad. And then you got Henrik Borgstrom, 
Mike Matheson and Aaron Eckblad. Three kind of, well, you got Aaron Eckblad, so two kind of unknowns here. Um, Johnny Huberto and Nick Bugstad, who are solid. They could even carry the weight for the second power play unit. But that that number one power play unit is insane. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be real fucking good. Yeah, don't sleep on Nick Bugstad either. Nope. Seriously. Center and right wing too. Yeah, he is one of those dual, uh, dual guys that if you do different positions, you do left wingers, right wingers, and centers. You can slot him into that right wing spot and still get the fucking faceoffs for it. I love that shit. How can you not? I mean, even that you got him. You're getting him down at like 140. Yeah, I think he's going to be a solid value pick that you can get in later rounds. That really is going to be flying under a lot of people's radar because there's so many other kind of big names on that team. A lot of players are going to go ahead of him, like yeah. Barkov, like Huberdu, like Trocheck, like Mike Hoffman, like Keith Yandel. Even Dadnov. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a whole bunch of players that are going to go ahead of him, but he's got a great fucking spot on that team. He's on that top line. You know what I mean? He's he's going to get points. So for he's these, at the back end of people drafted on that team, so you could easily get him. I would say even like, I'm hoping that when you drafted him, it was 13 or 14 plus. Yeah, I so think, I think that is, is totally doable. And in some leagues, he's not even going to be drafted. If you're in like a lower team league, he's going to be on that waiver wire, and that's scary. For those of you guys that did already draft, um, the preseason is the time to try and upgrade. You know, so send a trade out for Nick Bugstad. Um, center right wing, going to be playing with studs on even strength. Um, second power plays, not too bad, but yeah, like we're saying, serious value pick. You might be able to trade somebody low on your totem pole and get Nick Bugstad. Now, I'm going to blow through a couple here. But anyway, LA Kings, you got Dustin Brown, like we were saying before, out with a broken finger. Alex Theofilo is back up on the top line. Um, as far as the power play units go, they're running with 2D right now on the top unit with Jake Muzzin and Andrew Doughty in the back end. Uh, the power play one looks solid for now. You got Kovalchuk, um, Carter, and Kopitar. Uh, Minnesota, not much is too different. You got Nino Niederreiter on line two with Parise real, and Quinn. I want to I go over something real quick with the, the Kings before you move on to Minnesota. So I have a question about the Kings for you. That question is... Ilya Kovalchuk, question mark. Just the, yeah, just question mark. Question mark. Uh, he's on. He slotted right into that top, that top unit. He's getting power play time. On top of the fact that it's on the first power play unit, we haven't seen Ilya Kovalchuk in quite a while. Are you as high on him as some other people are, or or am I? Am I just um, an ass? You know what I mean? I, I can't get behind drafting him as high as I've seen him go with his ADP. So I kind of think of Kovalchuk like, in a way, I don't know if you can see what I'm talking about, but I see him as like a James Van Riemsdyk, where he shoots a lot. And from what I'm hearing, like he might play on the first and the second power play unit, just stay out for the whole two minutes, uh, bump somebody like Dion Phaneuf off the second unit. That's what he was doing in. <laughs> yeah, poor Dion. So if that's something that's actually going to happen, um, I've heard just whispers of Kovalchuk just being out there for all of the power play time. I don't know. He he shoots a good clip, uh, like three a game. 
I've seen some like gifs of him just dancing around players. He looks like he's still got it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not as high on him as some people, but I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm low on him either. That's fair enough. That's why I asked. I wanted to know. All right. So I'm going to go into one of my teams now in, in Minnesota. Uh, Nino Niederreiter, he's looking to slot into line two with Paris and Koivu. Um, the top line sticks together in Zucker, Stahl, and Granlund. One strange thing is Charlie Coyle is on the third line, but he's playing, or at least has been playing, on the power play one unit. I'm not sold on him. He was he was fine two years ago as like a streamer. That's your boy, dude. Charlie yeah, Coyle I mean, your fucking boy. I'm fucking over it, man. He was shit last year. He's probably going to be shit again this year. So I'm not sold on Charlie Coyle. I I will say though. I don't know many third line left wingers that play in the top power play unit. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Ryan Donato, the only other one I can think of. I guess Montreal's my team too, isn't it? Yeah, I, uh, I hope so because I don't want him. All right. So you got Max Domi out because he punched fucking Aaron Eckblad. Or, yeah, I think it was Aaron Eckblad. It was Aaron Eckblad. So he just punched him in the Aaron face Ekblad for whatever reason. I feel like doing it. Um, the projected top six right now, I'm not trusting it because you're missing Domi, who's obviously going to be in your top six. It's projected as Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, and Brandon Gallagher on the top line with Druin, Kasperikot, Kanyemi, and Joel Armia are the second line. Jeff Petrie is obviously going to get that top power play unit up until Weber comes back right around Christmas time. Outside of that, I mean, there's not, there's no fantasy relevance. Okay, so back to Joycey. Jersey. It's about fucking time we talk about Jersey again. Yeah, boys. We talked about him for a good amount already, but we need to talk about him more. Top line, staying the way it is. And it should, because Taylor Hall, Nico Heischer, and Kyle Palmieri have actually gained a little bit of continuity through last year. Nico Heischer really kind of came into his own. What I'm seeing from him is great passes. That's what I want to see from Nico Heischer. Taylor Hall is the scorer. Nico Heischer, the playmaker. Now your second line is looking at Jesper Bratt, Pavel Zaka, and Marcus Johansson. Marcus Johansson, I kind of honestly thought more was going to happen last year with him. I don't know about you when he was coming over from uh, Washington. Heischer is going to be joining on that top power play unit along with Kyle Palmieri, Taylor Hall, his line mates, Travis Sajak, and Will Butcher, the infamous Will Butcher. Fucking Will Butcher, man. So you got Heischer who topped out at six power play points last year. I mean, you can you can see him putting another, I don't know, 10, 10 to 15 on top of that, maybe breaking 60 points this year. I mean, playing with Taylor Hall, that's never a bad look. Now on to my least favorite team in the world is the New York Islanders. So this whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm fucking walking here, bud. Um, so this entire offseason, I've just been talking about how well Jordan Eberle and Matt Barzell play together. I guess Barry Trotz doesn't want to fucking hear it because now Eberle's on the second line. He's playing with Anders Lee and Brock Nelson. And then you got Anthony Beauvillier playing with Barzell and Bailey. So we'll see how long that lasts. I don't know, but I guess that drops um, Eberle's stock a little bit. I think in the end, he is going to be playing on that top line. Um, as far as the power play units go, you got Nick Letty backing the first unit. 
and Ryan Pulak, who's actually seriously awesome um, for shots, for hits, for blocks, and for potential, who could eventually take over Nick Letty with little to no competition. Um, I mean, even right now, they're almost the same, the same type of player. So look for Ryan Pulak to eventually take over that number one power play unit. Okay, so moving on to the other side of the New York area, we're going to go with the Rangers. So that top line is going to be Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, and Pavel uh, Buznevich, who I thought was a prime pick at the end of the draft this year. Solid last pick. So for your second line is our boy Vladimir Nemestikov, who TJ and I love, uh, Philip Hedl, and Matt Zuccarella. One thing to kind of look at here, Kevin Hayes got bumped down to the third line, and he was a solid streamer last year. Where is he going to end up this year? Is he going to end up taking that second uh, center spot from Philip Hedl? Lastly, coming down here, Jimmy Vesey. Wow, what in the world happened? Okay, so Jimmy Vesey on the third line. He was originally projected for the fourth. We'll see what happens with you this year, Vesey. I mean, it just seems like he's getting bumped off the puck a lot, or at least he was last year. He needs to use that speed to his advantage, and we'll see how that goes. As far as your power play units, on the top line, you're going to have Hedl, Sabanajad, uh, Kreider, Buchnevich, and Shattenkirk manning that uh, that top power play unit with Shattenkirk kind of being the, the quarterback there. Number two, you're going to have VC, Kevin Hayes, Matt Zuccarello, and Brady Shea. Um, with Anderson getting sent down to the AHL, look for Jesper Fast to kind of move into that spot, or at least I would think so. Or even Ryan Spooner, too. If it were me, I'd put Jesper Fast there. So next up, we got Nashville. Just a minor move in the top six. Um, it looks like Kevin Fiala and Victor Arvidsson are switching spots. Uh, Kevin Fiala is going to be playing on the top line, but remains on the second power play unit, and Arvidsson is going to be playing on the second line and remaining on the top power play unit. So I don't know if they're just trying to experiment. I don't know whether they're trying to like spur something new or if they're trying to spread out their offense a little bit. Who knows? But Kevin Fiala, for the time being, is going to be on the top line, at least to start the season. Okay. Now we're going to move to Ottawa. So Ottawa has a first line. They have a second line, a third line, and then they also have a fourth line. Um, They have a first power play unit and a second power play unit. Everybody sucks on Ottawa. (laughs) They're going to, they're going to at least, (laughs) they're going to be top 31 and that's it. Okay. So let's, let's, let me just name off their, their first power play unit. And you tell me what you think, TJ. So Ryan Dezingle at center. Bobby Ryan on his left, Mark Stone on his right, Chris Weidman, and then Matt Duchesne. Ouch. I really thought it'd be Shabbat. Mark Stone, you were the only person on this team that I'm interested in having. So really, Chris Weidman's getting top power play unit time instead of uh, As As far as right now, he is getting top power play unit. Now that second power play unit is going to be newcomer Chris Tierney coming over from the Sharks in that trade for Eric Carlson, Colin White, Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat, and Mikkel Bodker, um, who also came over from the Sharks. So hopefully maybe, I mean, Bodker and Tierney at least have a little bit of knowledge of each other's game and kind of man down that second power play unit. Now, like we were saying, I mean, honestly, if you want Craig Anderson on your team, uh, be, be my guest. If you want anybody other than Mark Stone on your team, 
except for maybe Thomas Shabbat, who you could take a flyer on. Um, you don't know what he's going to be, but he's looking like he's going to be good. Well, I mean, Matthew somebody's Shane. Got it. Somebody's got to score. What do you think about Matthew Shane then? I have just personally seen enough of Matt Duchesne. You're over it? Yeah, I, I am over it because, honestly, I used to love Matt Duchesne. He was always kind of, especially Colorado, really kind of projected him um, to the public and to their fans as, like, their guy. Like, he is this, like, top forward in the league. Face and, of the franchise. And he's he's just not. I don't know what to say. Um, he is going pretty late right now and could prove to be some sort of value pick, you know, yeah, I think he's going late, like right around 150 round, in a late round. I feel you, but honestly, Mark Stone is the guy in, in Ottawa. It's just my opinion. All right. So that gives me Philadelphia. Um, yeah, how'd that work out? Uh, I don't know. I think I shuffled some stuff around, took a, took a few teams in a row and made it work that way. Um, Travis Konechny, he's going to get the top line duties at least to start the year. Um, they tried a bunch of people out last year. Michael Roffel, uh, they even had, they had Voracek on there for a while, but as far as the power play units go, we've been talking a lot about this. Is it going to be JVR? Is it going to be two net front presences in JVR and Simmons with Couturier moving down? But, um, as far as practice lines and, um, and preseason go, you got Voracek, Couturier, Simmons with Sheru and Ghost on the back for power play one and then power play two looks like JVR Patrick TK and one of Lindblom or Sanheim and then Provorov on the back end. So you got a second power play unit that's actually looking good to begin with. And then um, you got a power play unit of the power play number one um, with Couturier and Patrick, they could be interchangeable. Simmons and JVR could be interchangeable. There's going to be a lot of moving parts for a little bit. At least I think so that um, they're going to try and work out the kinks there. Um, as far as the goalie situation goes, you got Neuverth out. No surprise there. Um, Anthony Solars is in right now. So my guess is being that uh, Brian Elliott's going to be getting like a pretty huge, a pretty huge bulk of the starts, at least until Neuverth is back. Okay. So moving on, we're going to head across the, uh, the state um, out to the ugly part of the state where all the coal is from. And that is the Pittsburgh area. It's 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 pretty shitty out there. I hope you're listening from from Pittsburgh too. <laughs> I've um, never been. Okay, Pittsburgh. We we know the deal in Pittsburgh. Sidney Crosby's on that top line. Whenever Patrick Hornquist is healthy, he's playing with Sidney Crosby. Now that third spot on the top line is always up for debate. It's looking like it's going to be Jake Gensel. He does have a lot of chemistry with Sidney Crosby and has played with him a lot. But then again. I've seen Carl Hagelin up there. I've seen Daniel Sprong get thrown up there. I've seen Brian Russ get thrown up there. So there, there's all these different people that have played with Sidney Crosby. So it's kind of like a very fluid situation on that first line. Sidney Crosby makes everybody viable, makes everybody good. Now going to the first power play unit, no surprises here. It's it's going to be the same as always. Patrick Hornquist, Malkin, Crosby, Kessel, and Chris Letang. Your second power play really fucking drops off. Let's just be honest. It really drops. It, it goes off a fucking cliff. Chances are that first power play unit is going to be out there for most of the time. Just be ready for it. Uh, don't expect a lot from your second power play guys, which is Gensel, Derek Broussard, 
Daniel Sprong, Justin Schultz, and Jack Johnson. Now, like we were saying with Jake Ensel earlier, he is one of those uh, late value picks that I kind of see similar to Nick Bugstad. Hopefully you got him late just because there are so many other draftable players from the Pittsburgh Penguins, like all those guys we've already named, and then even throw Matt Murray into that bunch. Chances are you're drafting Matt Murray way before you're drafting Jake Gensel. Right. So being the sixth, the sixth guy on on your list. Anybody playing with Crosby is worth looking at. The same way, like, I mean, you got Ty Ratty, so. And and I don't know about you, but when I'm drafting people, I'm not drafting them just for themselves. I'm drafting them for the people that that they're playing with. Yeah. Uh, I care that somebody's playing with Connor Connor McGregor. You know what I mean? Connor McGregor is the best, the best hockey player in this league. The best athlete, that's for sure. Hundred uh, percent. San Jose. So the big story here is going to be Eric Carlson. Uh, he was seen uh, practicing on the top power play, and it it looks like they're going to stack it. So EK is going to be a hot commodity going into what drafts might be left, or um, you know, trade targets, stuff like that. Uh, it looks like give up a lot though. Yeah, it looks like. They're going to have a dangerous top power play unit, so I'm not I'm not excited about playing anybody with Brent Burns or Eric Carlson on their team. It's going to be rough. Okay, so next we're going to move to St. Louis top line, Vladimir Tarasenko. Right now, it's looking like it's going to be Patrick Maroon and Ryan O'Reilly playing with him, which I find incredibly odd. I don't know about you. How is Jaden Schwartz not up on that top? Top line with Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, that's been con- like a mainstay. The continuity that they have, like, what in the world is going on down there? However, I've said this before, the St. Louis Blues have one of the best lineups up and down, one, two, three, four lines in the game. And they have a solid defense, too. So that second line is shaping up to look like Jane Swartz, Braden Shen, who's a power play monster, and David Perron. I love me some David Perron. Always have, always will. Then even their third their third line has draftable players. Alex Steen, Tyler Bozak, and then Samuel Blitz. Now, as for their power play unit, you're going to have Alex Petrangelo on there, who is easily a top eight defenseman, I would have him at. So that first power play unit, finally, Jaden Schwartz is playing with Tarasenko. Braden Shen, Alex Steen, and then, like we said, Petrangelo. Um, one thing I do wish me having Ryan O'Reilly, I wish Ryan O'Reilly was on that top spot um, instead of Alex Steen. What are you going to do? Hopefully he moves in there. Right now he's going to be playing with Perron, Robert Thomas, Jordan Carew, and then Colton Perrieco. Yeah, it does, it does seem like Alex Steen is kind of the odd man out or at least low man on the totem pole there. Yeah, it so doesn't it, seem like it fits. If anybody's moving out, Alex Steen's the one moving down. Tampa Bay, you got another one of my teams. Especially, hey, at least I'm gonna get Toronto. You know, yeah, I mean? yeah. There you go, on. JT Miller. Somebody that I was regarding as kind of like a sleeper candidate. I mean, you got you got Tyler Johnson gone right now, so everything could be a little bit shaken up when he does get back. But as of right now, JT Miller doesn't look like he's locked into a top power play role as we had previously expected. As of today. The top power play is Alex Kalorn, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, and Braden Point. And then you got Andre Palat, JT Miller, uh, Yanni Gord, 
Mikhail Sergachev and Ryan McDonough on the second power play unit. So, I mean, you still have JT Miller working at even strength with Cooch and Stammer, but you got Ty Joe out. So maybe they wanted to spread their power plays out a little bit. Keep that in mind, especially like if you're even thinking about a guy like Anthony Sorelli as a third line center right now, that's not going to happen. He's going to wind up moving down or just moving out. And then I just wanted to like for a little bit, talk about Danik Martell. Uh, was claimed off Philadelphia. He was doing pretty damn well for um, for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. So I'm I'm pretty curious to see what he brings to the lineup. I just got him on my watch list, kind of just for novelty. Um, I don't think he's going to be uh, rosterable, but just want to keep a tab on him. So your Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, William Nylander, William Nylander, William Nylander. Is he going to be traded? No. It looks like general uh, general manager uh, Kyle Duba said that Nylander will not be traded as per Brian Compton of NHL.com. Uh, I was worried. I love, I love Nylander. I think Willie Nylander is awesome. If they're going to get rid of somebody, I wish they would get rid of Mitch Marner instead, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, if they trade him, they do because just because somebody says, Hey, this guy ain't going to get traded. Uh, yeah. I've heard that before a million times. Oddly enough, William Nylander isn't on their projected list, but I would say expect him to be on that second line with Austin Matthews and Patrick Marlowe. In all honesty, their first two lines are kind of a 1A and 1B with John Tavares on the other center spot with Mitch Marner, who is, let's be honest, he's going to have a breakout season because he's playing with John Tavares. Big time. Um, just go, just go ahead and ask Josh Bailey what he thinks about it. <laughs> um, along with John Tavares. 30-point player Josh Bailey or the 70-point player Josh Bailey? Um, the latter. Uh, so along with John Tavares and Mitch Marner um, is projected to be Zach Hyman, who I have always seen have a lot of um, really good chemistry with Austin Matthews. So I'd kind of like to see them back together. But also, that third line, not too shabby. You got Josh Lievo down there, Nazem Kadri, and Connor Brown. Connor Brown, good sleeper pick. Be aware. Now, as for this power play unit, you're going to have John Tavares, Nazem Kadri, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and Morgan Riley as of now. When Nylander comes back, expect him to slip into that Nazem Kadri spot, and John Tavares will take over the center for the first power play unit. Now their second power play unit definitely drops off a little bit. I think that's where Nazem Kadri is going to end up probably playing with Tyler Ennis, Patrick Marlowe, Kasperi Kapanen, and Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner, another really good pickup. I like Morgan Riley definitely better than Jake Gardner, but he is worth having. Jake Gardner, hopefully he is your third best defenseman. As for we all know about Frederick Anderson. He is going to get the lion's share of all the starts with Garrett Sparks behind him. Uh, they just moved out McElhaney. So Frederick Anderson, he's your guy. Yeah, I mean, Garrett Sparks just won the Calder Cup. Yeah, and Frederick Anderson is a top five goalie. In the league. Pretty much going to be the same type of timeshare that Anderson was looking at, 60 to 65 games, no doubt. They're going to give Garrett Sparks. I mean, he's the goalie of the future. He's not much younger than Frederick Anderson, but still somebody you got to look at. All right, uh, Vancouver. There's um, yeah, you take him. 
yeah, not much going on here, but um, Sven Berchi hit the ice again. He could be a decent option for streaming. I mean, you got him on the top line, the top power play for now. You got uh, Sam Gagne got waived. So it's likely that Berchi is going to stay on the top line. And then you got Alex Edler, the long forgotten stud. I mean, he goes so late in drafts and he does everything. He shoots, he hits, he blocks, and he's manning the top unit right now. Yeah, he's a serious sleeper. It, I mean, if you're one of the people that are drafting tomorrow night or, you know, right before the draft or right before the season opens, Alex Edler is definitely somebody to keep up your sleeve. Uh, Vegas, your team, bud. Okay, so Vegas is going to regress this year, yes? A bit. Most likely. However, they did make some good offseason moves. I like their offseason moves. They picked up Paul Stasny. They traded for Max Pacioretty. I'm a fan. As for that top line, you're still looking at Jonathan Marchessault playing with William Carlson and Riley Smith. They seem to play well together, so you're not going to want to break them up. Now you're going to have the new guys. You're going to have Patches, Stasny, and what was looking like Alex Tuck on the second line is now looking more like Eric Halla. Hopefully Tuck uh, does get better, is back for the start of the season, and does have that second line spot. As for your power play units, you're going to have Patches playing with Carlson, Smith, Colin Miller, and Jonathan Marchessault. This is most likely because... Uh, Nate Schmidt is suspended, as most of us know, for the first couple of games. Uh, it just wasn't worth fighting the man uh, because it, it turns out that you can't fight City Hall. Um, so your second power play unit is definitely hurting a little more. That first power play unit is gonna it's gonna kick ass. It just is. Uh, but on the second one, you're looking at Thomas Nosek, Eric Halla, Alex Tuck, Shea Theodore, and Paul Stasny. Not too shabby, but nowhere near that first. Yeah. All right. Now on to the Stanley Cup champions, the Winnipeg Jets. Um, the guys I'm looking at kind of under the radar here are Matthew Perot. I'm going to shit in your cereal, dude. <laughs> Christian Veselainen and Jack Roslavich. Um, and Brian Little even. So these are all guys that are either going undrafted or kind of going super under the radar right now, especially Veselainen and Roslavich. Um, these are two guys that are just straight up not getting drafted. He's Who's not that? getting drafted because of his ugly name. Jack Roslovich? Roslovich? I don't know. I think it's Roslovich. So do I. Um, uh, Veselainen, Roslovich, and Nikolai Ehlers have been playing bottom six minutes, but it's a pretty good fucking third line. And then you got guys like Matthew Perot who are piggybacking on the top power play unit, and then somebody like Nick Ehlers who is on the second power play unit. With Brian Little, Connor, Kyle Connor, Jacob Truba, and Tyler Myers, which is the second power play unit that can definitely do some damage. But like you were saying before with Vegas, the Winnipeg first power play is going to be lethal. Um, so Matthew Perot is somebody that's going under the radar right now and likely still even on your waiver wire, but he's playing top six minutes, top power play time, and is always he's one of my favorite streamers. So I know I'm keeping an eye on him. He looks like a fucking Dothraki. He's a Dothraki screamer. <laughs> so last team, man, Washington Capitals. Uh, do you mean the Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals? Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals. When you, uh, when you were talking about Winnipeg, for some reason I thought you said something about them winning the cup or something. Uh, not going to happen. 
don't get me wrong, Hellbuck is a great pick this year, but they're not going to win this. Uh, yep, you're wrong. Okay, so last team here. We're down to the Washington Capitals. There's another player on this top unit that I find to be just like Nick Bukestad, like we were talking about earlier, Tom Wilson. When Tom Wilson played with the top line last year, he tore it up. Uh, if you have hits in your league, if you have penalty minutes in your league, all these things, Tom Wilson going to do it for you. If you have handsomeness rating in your league, Tom Wilson also going to do it for you. Um, he's going to be playing with Evgeny Kuznetsov and Alex Ovechkin. Anybody that's playing with Alex Ovechkin is going to do well for themselves. On top of the fact that if you're also playing with a man like Evgeny Kuznetsov, who has just magical hands, he's going to get points. Look for Tom Wilson because he's going to be another one of those late sleepers because there's so many people you're drafting before him, including the second line with Nicholas Backstrom, TJ Oshie, and uh, Jacob Verana on there uh, currently. I see Burakovsky possibly moving up into that second spot, but we'll see. Uh, Andre Burakovsky has underwhelmed a little bit in Washington, uh, so we'll see what he turns out to be this season. As you remember, John Carlson signed that big contract this year. He's staying with Washington. He's actually going to be on the second D pairing. However, he is going to be on the first power play, playing alongside Alex Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and Oshie. That power play unit looks fucking scary. Once again, like a lot of these really good teams, they go top-heavy on that first power play, on top of the fact that Alex Ovechkin is going to be out there for a minute and 59 seconds out of the two minutes. And he is going to stand at the same spot, and just fire in shots and get power play goals. Now, your second unit is going to be Jacob Verana, Chandler Stevenson, Brett Connolly, uh, Dmitry Orlov, and Matt Niskanen going double D on the back end of that second power play. So that wraps up all of the new lines, everything that we kind of wanted to throw out there as, as new players, and, and a couple of sleepers there for you. So I got I got one more thing I want to add about Washington. Tom Wilson just laid out that brutal hit on Oscar Sundqvist the other day, and it's probably going to be getting suspended from anywhere from like zero to twenty games. I don't know, but with with that, you got a right wing spot being open, and TJ Ocean, TJ Oshi. Personally, I got him at over two hundred in my ADP last last night. Um, so him going super late. And maybe playing with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin for the first couple weeks of the season, that could be some serious value right there. The fact that TJ Ocean um, had a down year from what he had two years ago, he is kind of going under the radar a little bit this season. And you can get him at a value. Don't get it twisted. TJ Oshie is still fucking awesome. He's getting that first power play time on top of the fact that He's still getting a lot of minutes on the second unit. So I just want him to shoot more. He's that's not his game. It's just not he takes shots when TJ Oshie feels like taking shots. So that's what we got as far as the line combinations that have been coming out of preseason. But let's now take a look at what has been going on during the preseason. Um, most of them are Edmonton Oilers as far as who has been lighting it up in the preseason. So our preseason studs. 
and our preseason duds are coming up next. Ty Ratty. I mean, shit, this is your the top preseason scorer right now. Him and McDavid, I believe, are tied at 11 points in like four or five games or some shit. But he, he looks like the real deal. Obviously, you're going up against um, other teams who aren't, you know, putting their best foot forward at the moment. I mean, he scored a hat trick the other night, given it was against Vancouver, I believe. But shit, I went to go add Ratty, and it looked like you you had done it 30 minutes before me. So, yeah, uh, Ratty felt pretty good. Ratty is a seriously good ad right now. Um, at least to start the year off, that right wing spot always gets cycled through. Who knows? They might even go Dallas and just play dry settle up there and stack the top line. Um, sticking in Edmonton, you got Kyler Yamamoto, who's put up nine points in six games, six goals, three assists. He's a plus three with 14 shots on goal. And McDavid, obviously, he's played four games, has 11 points on 11 shots. What's the point of even talking about Connor McDavid in the preseason stud? I don't talking know. Connor McDavid, dude. He's, he's been doing good. Um, I'm not talking about Connor McDavid in the preseason studs. Um, if you people out there don't know about Connor McDavid, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess you should go watch some podcast with fucking Matthew Barry talking about fantasy football. Good luck with that. <laughs> Another one that I thought was pretty interesting was Philip Forsberg, who has put up. Uh, nine points on 20 shots in four games. That's five shots a game, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I like those shots big time. Just some of the goalies that have been playing like either out of their mind or just shit in the bed. Uh, Cam Talbot has seen 130 shots and has let seven of them in. He's got a goals allowed average of 1.92 right now and a save percentage of 943. So that's not something that's going to be realistic, but it's good to see Cam Talbot not sucking all the time um as as for another guy that if we're gonna stick with that topic let's go with john gibson for anaheim last year he had a great year and don't forget about his 917 shorthanded save percentage now is that gonna go back down he's gonna come back down to earth probably a little year a little bit this year but right now in the preseason he's playing out of his mind and uh he's gonna need to if the Dokes are going to live up to what they can be, especially with the injuries that they have. Yeah. Two goals allowed on 65 shots. He's looking, he's looking pretty good. He's got a nine sixty eight right now. It's, it's fucking insane. Right behind him is Marc-Andre Fleury. Who's let in two goals on 61 shots for nine sixty seven save percentage. And then, I mean, just keep going down. You got, Anti Ranta has let four goals in on 74 shots. And the last guy I wanted to talk about was Freddie Anderson has seen 108 shots and seven goals against for a 210 goals allowed and a 931 save percentage. So just looking at some of these heavy workload guys in preseason, just making sure they're in like midseason shape. It looks like these guys are um, some of the goalies that need some help that I wanted to talk about is Hellebuck, Mike Smith, Devin Dubnik, Carey Price, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, and Philip Grubauer. For those of you that were trying to um, jump the gun and think that Grubauer was going to be the starter in Colorado. They're... Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to say that half of those are a surprise, and half of those I am not surprised at all. Yeah, I'd put Mike Smith, Carey Price, and Grubauer in that not surprised category. Hey, um, we agree on that. That's <laughs> But, I mean, look at this. You got Connor Hellebuck, 103 saves, 11 goals allowed. 
a three six seven and an eight nine three save percentage. Mike Smith, ninety two saves, fourteen goals allowed for a three point five three and an eight forty eight. Devin Dubnik, eighty nine saves, ten goals, three point four five and an eight eighty eight. Those are Scott Darling numbers right there, man. Carey okay. Price, eighty seven oh, saves. Way, I'm glad that. Uh... On your preseason flops is the goalie that you're saying is going to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, but but then again, but it's preseason. Far, it's preseason. As far as Brayden Holtby showed last year, is you can have statistically like the worst year of your career and still win the Stanley Cup. It's called elite scoring, people. Yeah, as long as you have the offense to out to offset it. Um, Carey Price, uh, things are not going straight for him. Eighty-seven saves, twelve goals against. 3.77 and an 8.62. Uh, Bobrovsky, scroll down to find you. 72 saves, 13 goals, 5.13 goal allowed, and an 8.19 save percentage. That's But these are the guys that know it's preseason. Don't get hurt. Don't pull your groin. Blah, blah, blah. I think the Biggest goalie out of this list that we have here, out of uh, Hell's Bells, Mike Smith, Doobie, Price, and Bobrovsky, is Grubauer. He needs yeah. he needs to truly show that he can be that guy. He doesn't have to be that guy in the background like he was in Washington. He needs to prove that he can win games without having Alex Ovechkin in front of you and TJ Oshie and... Kuznetsov and Carlson, they have a pretty good team in in Colorado. It's not like it was a couple of years ago where it was a fucking joke and they were like hot garbage and everybody was just trying to stay away from them. But Grubauer needs to prove something. Yeah, uh, and 57 saves, 10 goals allowed is not, is not, not a good do, look for him. That's an 825 save percentage, man. That's it's not a good look. That's if Scott Darling and Craig Anderson had a really bad child that ended up being a really bad goalie. All right. So I guess that'll wrap it up for us on uh, preseason. Um, let's get into next week's schedule, man. Like uh, we can talk two different ways because ESPN has a, what, four day, one two, three, four, five-day week, and then you got Yahoo that goes all the way till next Sunday. Um, this next week coming up, a lot of teams play twice. Carolina, Chicago, the New York Rangers, Toronto Maple Leafs. Those are the only teams that play three times next week. Uh, a few teams that are only playing once is the Oilers, the Panthers, the Devils, and the Lightning. So... You're looking at four different teams there that only play once next week. And then the week following, if you're in a Yahoo, so you're going to like double up on these teams. Uh, the Ducks play four times and the Sharks play four times. And that's, and Vegas plays four times. So those are three teams that you're looking at uh, to maximize your most amount of games played um, with Arizona only playing two, Chicago only playing two, Dallas, Edmonton, Florida. Minnesota, Montreal, the Devils, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Penguins, the Lightning. So the Lightning only play three games in the first two weeks. Wow. 
That's hurtful. It's a good thing that you have all those Toronto Maple Leafs. How many times do they play? Well, they play three times in this in this first four days. So, you know, that's looking pretty good for them. Oh, yeah. Six times in the first two weeks. I can dig it, but... um, I bet you can. Yeah, so... Obviously, the Maple or the the Lightning is somebody. I'm not going to tell you to stay away from Kucherov or Hedman or anything, but if you're looking at guys like Yanni Gord, you know, just to just to stream for the first you know few months, see how he's going to do. Keep in mind in the that in the first three weeks, they're only playing three games, and that is disappointing. Facts. Maybe I'll uh, I'll try and go go for Kucherov come week three. All right, guys, that's what we got for uh, for this one for episode 39. I'm um, just trying to get in the hang of things. Um, had a lot of drafts this past week, so we've we've been pretty busy. We got our um, five-hole fantasy hockey. The listener league tomorrow for Yahoo, we already drafted our ESPN five-hole league. Just drafted tonight just before throwing this episode up. Um <laughs> I, I like pretty much every single one of my teams so far, so I'm pretty happy with my drafts going into going into next year. I'm hoping you guys are too. But yeah, as we are approaching 1 a.m. October 2nd, I think it's time for me and Zach to say goodbye. Yeah, I've seen a lot. I will say I've seen a lot of the same guys that you've been targeting in a lot of your teams. I will say this, though, folks out there, one thing that TJ and I love doing, and we will always try our best to help you guys out if you ever feel like you want to send us uh, trade proposals that you have gotten in your league to see what we think and maybe uh and maybe a rebuttal we're more than welcome i mean i know that i always i always talk to people i asked tj about a trade that uh um that was proposed to me today uh which was patrick kane and jonathan quick for Evgeny malkin and ben bishop um personally I'm scared of Ben Bishop. I really want Evgeny Malkin, considering the fact that I have Phil Kessel. So I want to pair those two in a big way. But damn, am I afraid of am I am I afraid of Ben Bishop? So I mean, hey, if you guys even want to tell me, hey, what do you think about that trade that I was proposed? Um, I'm leaning towards yes, but honestly, I have my trepidations. So yeah. send us your trades. Tell me what you think about the one that was proposed to me. Uh, we'll always give you our opinion on trades. We'll always give you your opinion on streamers, stuff like that. You can hit us up at FHF Hockey on Twitter from wherever you are listening from right now. If there's an option, please do leave a review if you're digging it. But that being said, it is 12.58, and it is definitely time to go to bed. Um, yeah, guys, we'll see you next week for episode 40 and the first week of the NHL season. We love you. Big four. Love you guys.